Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Find Your Way with your host, Q Chan. And on today's episode, we're going to dive into nurturing emotional intelligence in students. And we're going to try and look at some strategies for educators and also caregivers. So let's have some fun and let's go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Find Your Way with your host, Q Chan. And the first thing that I got to say is uh, I'm so sorry for last week's episode. Just have to say something really quick. Last week was absolutely insane at work. There was just so much stuff to do. I had to cancel also some of my uh, private classes because it was just too much. I had massive headaches and it was just too much to deal. Uh, at the same time, I was thinking about like maybe uploading like a video of saying just today, this week we're having a break and so forth. But then I just decided maybe... It's better to just record, you know, an actual episode and just apologize for last week's episode. I'm so, so sorry. Um, we're also very soon, even though this is going to be episode 11 or 12 for season two, we're getting closer and closer to December. And we're getting closer and, cl and closer to that one year mark of this podcast. So I want to say thank you so much for all the support. As I always say, it's always... Uh, very interesting to read your comics and it's always very interesting when I get to meet people who listen to my podcast and they share their thoughts and their feelings about some of the uh, some of things that they would like me to talk about and even though I usually extended my podcast from like 15 minutes to like 25 to even like 30 minutes and, and more uh, there's not enough time for me to cover everything that you want me to cover, but I'll try and do so, you know, on a weekly basis. Uh, I will be taking some uh, breaks here and there, uh, and I might it might be even helpful for me to just upload like a calendar uh, for the days that I, I will be uploading videos and maybe some, some other week I will not be doing so. I need to be able to find that balance between you know, work, private lessons, my own private stuff like uh, hobbies and stuff that I want to do. Anyway, so thank you so much for tuning in again in another exciting, exciting podcast. On today's episode, yeah, we're going to be talking about or, or in two different parts, of course, because uh, I think I'm, I'm enjoying doing this in parts now. So emotional it intelligence. What's emotional intelligence? Like, are you aware of that? Usually we go by the IQ and IQ is mostly about academics and reasoning and cognitive development and so forth. But uh, nowadays we have something called EQ as well, which is like emotional uh, intelligence. So to start things off, let's explore what emotional intelligence is and why it matters. So if you know me in person or if you followed me even on Instagram and even though I write my post, my posts in uh, Japanese, I also try to add like the English part of it. But most of the times the way that I speak or the way that I talk or the way that I want to relate to someone, I always try to bring in emotions. And I do this in the classroom quite a lot. This makes me feel this for this certain reason. Or where am I uh, finding that feeling within my body? So that's some of the things that I do in the classroom as well. There's something called like zones of regulation that while the premise I understand and I love, 
I kind of tweaked it to my own. So there's like four different colors and those colors represent different kinds of feelings. The issue that I have with this is that usually red, the color red has this negative connotation because it brings in anger and sadness and anxiety and all of these feelings that we usually don't like. However, I think like nowadays, the way that people are teaching emotional intelligence or just understanding your own feelings is more so trying to evade that. And I don't want to use this word, but I'm, I'm going to use it for uh, everyone's sake. So like people try to evade or run away from negative feelings. If you're feeling sad, what do we do is we try and indulge in something that we like, right? If we feel like crying, if we are angry, if we feel anxious, frustrated, whatever negative feeling that you might be experiencing, usually what we end up doing is, okay, I need to go out for a run or I need to read a book. I need to take a bath and find ways to, you know, calm yourself or calm the mind. But what's the issue? I want to ask you, what's the issue or what's the problem with feeling those feelings? Like what's the issue of you being mad? What is the problem with you being angry, frustrated, depressed, and, and all of these uh, negative feelings that we have. What is the problem? Why do we want, why are we running away from them rather than letting them hit us like, like a truck, you know? And I think this is something that frustrates me. It's a lot of people, including myself, I've done it of course in the past and I tried not to do so anymore is, uh, run, running away from these feelings. And instead of turning everything off, and what I mean by turning everything off, I mean your cell phone, your watch, your iPad, your computer, your TV, and what whatever that you are, your, your mind is on with. So it could be card games, books, writing, drawing, going out for a run, going out for a walk. Just let that thing that you're experiencing hit you like a truck, you know, because... It's like everything. The more we do something, the better we get at it, right? Sim simply put, it's like that. There is absolutely no way that if you practice badminton every single day, you're not going to get better. There, there is absolutely no possible way that you're not going to get better at something by doing it every day. So when we're experiencing something that a lot of people call negative, I don't like calling it negative is just a feeling. And the thing is, once we let that feeling hit us like a truck, we're going to be able to understand it and kind of mold it our way. You know, like sometimes when we're super, um, let's say the people who have some sort of addiction. I mean, we all have an addiction, but I'm talking about a big one like uh, smoking or drinking, uh, gambling and all of that. You know, these people are responding to some urges. Right. So you have the urge to do something, something you can't control it. So you need that like dopamine shot. Right. And then what do we do? OK, we go for that cigarette when we're mad, when we're angry, we get a we got into an argument. We do go for that drink. We go for that cigarette more often than not. Right. But I'm not talking about those feelings. I'm talking about the feelings that we get every day. You know, like sometimes we create these stories in our head that are most often they're not and most likely 100% not 
not true. We try to put words into somebody's minds. We try to put uh, some sort of response to whatever we're trying to say onto that person's mind. The thing is the easiest thing to do. I forget the person. I always say that it was Woodrow Wilson, but I'm sure it wasn't him. Uh, I, I read this long time ago, and the thing is, life is easier than it seems, right? You want to talk to someone, send them a text. You want to go out with someone, ask them out. You know, you're afraid of doing something, just do it. You want to go out for a walk, just do it. You want to play that video game, just do it. The thing is, like, we always let our minds win over our own feelings. So this is where emotional intelligence comes in. So EQ encompasses the ability to recognize, understand, manage, and effectively use our own emotions as well as the emotions of others. So we talked about self-awareness. We talked about awareness uh, itself. But um, recent studies, and this is this year, such as a 2023 report by the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, also called CASEL, revealed that students with higher emotional intelligence tend to have better academic performance, improved social relationships, and enhanced mental well-being. So what this means in like the most important thing about this is this is something that I used to speak about my previous principal. So if you don't know, we uh, our, my school changed principals. So they have a group and they have um, different schools around Japan. Not that many, but they do have some. And sometimes they like to change their principles. So we got a, a new one. And I remember telling my previous principal, I haven't spoke that much to, the, to this new one yet, but... If we focus on the emotional well-being of our kids, academics will come automatic. The thing is, we're we're lacking a foundation in in uh, at our school at the moment, and the thing is, like, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of uh, I would say, if you want to do it this way, you're allowed to do it because there's not a lot of control. And this is like if anybody from school is listening to this, I'm not talking about this this in, in a negative way. The thing is I'm talking about a lot of schools who don't prioritize emotional learning. However, speaking to my current principal, he was saying that he thinks that, you know, the counseling department in an actual sense, uh, you know, uh, as soon as they need like it, special uh, needs, you know, it, it is crucial. So he's, he said that he's trying to work and push in for a budget because he believes it's very important. And I agree. The most important thing is when we don't know how to understand our own feelings and when we don't understand, well, firstly, yes, of course, if we don't understand our own feelings, it is going to be more difficult to understand others' feelings. Am I correct? The thing is, how much time do we spend each day, each month, each year trying to understand why do we feel a certain way when something happens you know a lot of people use the words my triggers you know but do you know why that triggers you have you spent some time sitting down thinking or putting into perspective why is it that when this happens i get triggered you know we all have like small things for example my mom she hates it when people eat spaghetti 
and they start doing the sound, you know, like you're slurping something like <laughs> she hates that. So it's very interesting that here in Japan, uh, when you're eating ramen, you know, it is completely normal to make that sound. And apparently, apparently Japanese people do it because it's too hot. So if they do that slurp thing, <laughs> apparently, apparently, you know, it uh, removes some of the heat. You know, I've tried it before and it's still very hot. <laughs> so I don't know. The thing is, we all we all have things that, you know, aggravate us. We all have things that uh, they're not. Uh, what, what What's the proper word here? They're not for us and they make us feel a certain way and they make us uh, feel in a way that we don't feel comfortable. And we all have different things, you know, like. Uh, this is another example for someone at, at work. This person never closes the door of the microwave. And to be honest, that annoys me. You know, like once you opened it, close it. It's not that difficult. Or the other thing is like leaving empty stuff inside the fridge. Like if you finished it, just put it away. It's not that difficult. Okay, so what does it mean? We're talking about... In this episode, we're going to talk about two different uh, segments, as we usually do. Segment one is going to be unveiling the power of emotional intelligence. And this is what I what I said before. You know, the higher the EQ, the the better, you know, academic performance and social uh, relationships and so forth. So better academic performance. Having better academic performance refers to a student's ability to excel in their educational endeavors. Right. Simply put, it's like that. And this can be measured. And usually this is measured by grades, test scores, class participation and just overall engagement with the learning process. It depends on the curriculum that you're taking as well. For example, my uh, in my curriculum, the IB curriculum, there's not so much about tests, even though I do have quizzes, but it's more so about the ability to the ability to show critical thinking. So within a story, there are going to be times that you, we're going to ask you to predict some stuff and all of that. So you can use your critical thinking skills. And at the same time, instead of having like a test, 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 what we're going to have is more so like a presentation or it can be a work that requires you to use everything that you learned in the past make a little report and make a project out of that, you know, but when students possess uh, higher emotional intelligence, so they are more likely to focus and concentrate. So emotional intelligence helps students manage distractions, regulate their emotions and maintain focus during lessons and study sessions. The thing is, of course, it depends on which grade you are talking. So I've said this before. A lot of the little one, uh, the little baby or kindergarten and, and lower and, and also lower primary, a lot of teachers complain about students, you know, instead of trying to trying to make classes engaging or trying to connect with them. So this is a completely different segment for that. So please, we're just going to be talking about the emotional intelligence of the student. We're not going to be talking about how the teacher should be uh, conducting his or her 
lessons in the classroom. So we're going to be focusing mostly on just emotional intelligence. So problem solving. Emotional intelligence will also equip students with the skills to approach challenges with a clear and adaptive mindset, enabling them to navigate complex problems more effectively. And the thing is, I have like a bunch of examples that have happened in my classroom when uh, properly teaching emotional intelligence. So I still remember having this little kid, and this is, I think, my second year as a teacher, you know, a long time ago. But I've always been someone who believes in uh, emotional intelligence and teaching feelings and how to regulate those things. So uh, I had a little boy. And I honestly, I kind of forgot, I kind of forgot his name, but uh, this boy, he couldn't keep his hands to himself. So every time we lined up, you know, he would be pushing his friends and, and so, and sometimes he would be kicking. And sometimes, you know, when, when he didn't even want to, like we have like a semi-circle and we're all sitting next to each other. We're not that close, but we're kind of close. He couldn't control himself, so he would put like both of his hands on his friends, you know, to, to his sides. So uh, after like several, you know, classes on emotional intelligence and this is how you feel and this is how you make your other people feel when you do this and also whatnot, I have this vivid memory of this boy like running towards towards uh, the line and then he was to just he was so close to touching the person in front the, the kid in front of him but I, I saw him he was just like oh, I want to touch I want to touch I want to touch and then he just took a breathe and he would just go and he put both of his hands both of his hands down and I was like whoa that was amazing of course I overpraised him for doing that because it's not an easy thing to do and the thing is when you effectively as well teach emotional intelligence, this is what's going to happen. You're equipping the kids uh, to, to better understand themselves. And at the same time, when they understand themselves, ergo, they're going to be able to understand others, which is the, you know, crucial. Another thing is manage stress. So students with developed emotional intelligence are better equipped to manage stress and anxiety, which can positively impact their ability to per perform well under pressure. The thing is, there are a lot of ways, and I will be talking about this uh, in part two, so that will be next week, uh, hopefully. And we're talking, we're going to be talking about different strategies. But like managing stress, are you good at managing stress when you know one thing after another comes at you? I was saying that, for example, last week. A lot of things came at me at once, and I couldn't keep up with my my current life rhythm, which is quite hectic. You know, like I wake up, I run to school, I have break, I have breakfast at school, I do my stuff at school, then I run back home, and then I have to cook, then I have private lessons, then I have like a, an hour and a half or two just for me. The thing is, like that is quite hectic doing it on a daily basis. And at the same time, you know, I have to do the research for the podcast and I have to work on, on some other stuff, blogging and whatever and whatnot, right? There's a lot of stuff I have to do. So this last week, I wasn't able to manage it properly because I was exhausted, basically. And the thing is, I was losing, uh, you know, the ability to take care of myself and 
use this that what I'm talking about emotional intelligence. The thing is, I was tired at that time. Okay, so we're gonna go to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I think that we're gonna do this in just a single segment, okay? Because we're going to talk about what does it mean, what like the emotional intelligence, and I've only covered like one point, which is better academic performance, and I still have three, two other points that I need to talk about. So one, the other one is improved social relationships. So improved, this refers to a student's ability to interact positively with peers, teachers, and others in their social circle. So emotional intelligence enhances social interactions. And how so? You know, with empathy, with effective communication and conflict resolution. So here's another example that just happened last week with two of my students, two girls. Uh, I come back from, you know, they have, they're in Japanese time. I come back and I see one girl crying and I see the Japanese teacher speaking to both of them. So they're, they're getting ready for the next class. And so then I like, can I talk to both of you? So the girl that was crying is like, oh, don't worry about it. She says, don't worry about it. You know, uh, the Japanese teacher already spoke to us, so I'm okay. And he's like, yeah, I know that you're okay, but I just want to know what's what's happening. So I, I spoke to the other girl and I asked uh, very directly, just, did you say something rude or mean? And the thing is, I was already there. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have asked it that way because I'm already negatively, uh, you know, show. Uh, I'm telling this girl that I think that she did something wrong. And I think more often than not, she does. But again, the way that I asked my question was was incorrect. Anyway, I asked that and she says no. So the thing is, I asked what the girl that was uh, that was crying and I asked her, like, what happened? And then she said, you know, I was writing something and she said something mean to me. So then I go back to the other girl and I say, I think, you know, you said something different to me. Like I asked her if you said something negative or rude to this girl and you said no. And it turns out that you did. So can you tell me what did you say? The thing is, she said, I said short. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I just said that. I just said short. And I was like, well, I mean, that's not a bad word, right? And she said, yeah, I know it's not a bad word. And then I said, like, oh, now I understand why when I ask you the question, did you say something negative or or rude to this to this girl? You said, no, I agree. The word short is not negative, but can you tell me when did you use it? So the teacher apparently asked them to write a sentence about their weekend, and she wrote something very short, and she the other girl just said, in Japanese, it would be like, mijika, which in, in a way, the way that she said it, in, in the way that she said the word as well, you know, it was quite negative and it was quite rude. So when I asked her, okay, I understand that the word short is not negative, but, you know, it kind of made her feel bad. So then she started crying. What do you think about the word short? Like the meaning of it for her. And she was saying, okay, it was negative. So this is the thing is like teaching about emotional awareness, uh, emotional intelligence and emotional awareness. It has to start with self. If you understand what are certain things that you don't like, you're going to be able to see others with the with those emotional lenses. Effective communication goes like that as well. So emotional intelligence will aid students in expressing themselves clearly and actively listening to others. We have spoken about active listening and how a lot of us cannot practice that because we are so 
selfish. We're just thinking that I want to put my my opinion across and I want you to understand and see things my way. But we don't really try and see things their way. And better yet, why don't we try to see things our way? Right? So active listening. At the same time, fostering healthy co communication and collaboration. Some of us are angry and, and that shows from, you know, when you're little, you know, if it's the kids who are unable to manage their own stress levels, they're going to be bossy uh, t towards others. And I've seen this over and over and over again. However, after certain classes, this changes, but they move up then to, uh, to another grade They, and then or two, three, four, five years pass. Other teachers never spoke about this. What's going to happen? Of course, they're going to forget about it. Self-awareness is a daily practice. You know, it's not something that you just you go and take a course on it for online for three hours. And then now you're a master of self-awareness. No, this is something that you have to practice daily. And last, last but not least, we're going to talk about enhanced mental well-being. Actually, I think I'm going to I'm going to start with this one because I think this enhanced mental well-being is going to be long. So <laughs> we just we were able to just cover uh, one not even complete segment one thing. We have other segments. I have one, two and then I have three and then four. I think I have four episodes total over here. So I'm going to make this most likely <laughs> part four uh, for emotional intelligence because it, it is a lot. Uh, so I want to say thank you so, so much again for following. Again, sorry for last week's episode, but uh, I'm very happy that, you know, you're, you're asking me questions, you're sharing your opinion, you're coming at me with uh, suggestions for what to talk about. And then emotional intelligence was one of them. And I did a humongous, humongous Uh, research on this so we're going to be talking about it next week as well so thank you so much and see you next time goodbye all right all right so for the next episode we're going to continue with emotional intelligence but we're mainly going to focus on this enhanced mental well-being and perhaps perhaps we're going to go to segment two well which is about techniques so see you next week and have a good day bye bye